some concern around the world today following a development out of, well, out of the Black Sea. It stems from a decision made by Russia. You've probably heard uh, in the past, we've talked about it before, it's been a long time since we've talked about it, but there was a deal that was brokered uh, with help from Turkey between the United Nations and with Russia, an agreement that would allow for grain exports to continue to be shipped out of ports on the Black Sea even as Russia and Ukraine continued waging war in the region. And the reasoning was pretty simple, and the warnings were pretty dire. If this export wasn't able to leave the ports on the Black Sea, the world faced a global hunger problem. Um, Many, many countries, developing countries in particular, absolutely rely on exports of grain from Ukraine and from Russia. It's essential. So um, in the interest of the greater good, they managed to come up with a deal about one year ago uh, to allow the exports to continue. Now, there's been fits and starts along the way, but all in all, it's held up. However, this morning, just today, the Russians have announced that deal is over, at least temporarily and already we're hearing from Oxfam, uh, we're hearing from the United Nations, we're hearing from all kinds of different groups saying that uh, this is a major, major concern once again. Um, The Secretary General of the United Nations says under this agreement it shipped more than 725,000 tons of food grains to support humanitarian operations in some of the hardest hit corners of the world which include Afghanistan, Africa and Yemen. And obviously the result here is um, a massive amount of food that won't be shipped to where it needs to go. So let's find out what happened and how long this may last. We're going to chat with Dr. Balkan Devlin, who is a senior fellow at McDonald-Laurier Institute, an adjunct research professor at Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton, and a super forecaster for Good Judgment, Inc. Uh, Dr. Devlin, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, thanks for having me. So let's just start this agreement. Renewed just a couple of months ago, right? Back in May. So what's the reasoning? What are we hearing from Russia as to why they've decided to suspend it? Uh, so the initial, if you remember, the initial agreement was done for about like a 90-day agreement that was supposed to be renewed. And with the renewals, they actually uh, reduced it, I believe, 60 days. Um, the implementation, as you, you, know, printed, you know, pointed out earlier, uh, was also very problematic. About 60% or so actual uh, number of ships that were supposed to go were allowed to go. So from the very get-go, uh, from the Kremlin's perspective, this is about leverage yeah. uh, against both the uh, both Ukraine and and the West. Um, one of the reasons, I mean, there are a couple of reasons, but the primary reason I would say that they are suspending is again going back to the leverage uh, argument. They could, they did not get what they want uh, in terms of. Uh, you know, easing of sanctions that are related uh, with, with sanctions imposed on, uh, on on Russia, as well as they did not apparently get the sort of the political benefit that they believe uh, this would provide them with with the rest of the world, including uh, including in Africa. So uh, for them, the primary benefit has been always the leverage that it can uh, it can utilize uh, over Ukraine and hope that they will be able to get uh, sanctions. Uh, ease, especially on insurance, on Russian shipping, uh, etc., as well as other other materials uh, that are used uh, to produce agricultural goods. For example, they try to get uh, you know easing on sanctions on natural gas that is used to produce the uh, you know uh, the, the fertilizers that will be used in agriculture, etc. So 
They failed to do that, and therefore now they are trying to play hardball. Now, they would make the claim that one of the reasons why they sort of suspended it today is the recent attack on the Kerch Bridge, the bridge mm-hmm. that connects uh, Crimean Peninsula um, uh, to the mainland, uh, that uh, that the the Ukrainian uh, drones uh, basically targeted, targeted the bridge. Uh, but that's basically just an excuse. They have been sending the signals that they were not going to willing at this stage to renew the uh, the deal uh, because they, uh, they, they the leverage they thought they had was was not there. So it's, it's very typical blackmailing by Kremlin using world hunger and the need, especially in countries like Africa and North Africa and, and elsewhere, uh, as a leverage against the West to get what they want. In terms of a resolution here, like you say, we, we I think we know what it is that they're after, but what they said today was they wanted some of the restrictions around, you know, their agricultural exports east. I mean, they're already exporting record amounts of fertilizer and wheat. So, how, I mean, how do you actually accommodate what they want when they've already got what they want? And, and, and it is important to note that there are no uh, sanctions yeah. on agricultural exports from Russia. So it was very clear the foodstuff can go. Um, what they tried to do is, of course, try to use that as a way to create loopholes in the sanctions regime by trying to basically make a claim that everything that is even remotely related with agricultural products need to be sort of included. Say, you know, why are you not providing you know, insurance uh, you know, coverage for uh, for Russian ships that may or may not actually carry this. What about the you know the use of natural gas, like I said, about fertilizers? What about the, the machinery uh, that uh, might be used and the chips that might be used in agricultural, uh, agribusiness, uh, in uh, the machines and, and, and so on and so forth? Of course, that, that can be uh, you know, redirected to, uh, to military purposes, those chips and equipment and other things. So they try to use this as a leverage to do that, and, and that's basically all, all excuses. Um, it's also important to note that this again, once again, show, and we, we made the case with my colleague, Yevgeny Gaber, back in June, uh, last June, when, uh, when this deal was first signed. It is also an important reminder of how important Canadian agricultural exports are. Um, they may not necessarily directly go to, say, uh, the, the North African uh, you know, uh, countries that, that need it, but by displacing those others that can go there uh, by providing more, for example, for the Asian markets, it will enable more grains and foodstuff to be shipped and sold in those regions. So as an agricultural superpower, this also brings about home uh, for Canada's importance and to make our agribusinesses to be able to export more and enable them to send more foodstuff to the world. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Um, Can history teach us anything here, Doctor? Because this kind of pattern has been played out before. I think it was last fall, I believe, where Russia did the same thing. They pulled out of the deal. They said the deal's not going to go ahead. Ultimately, they came back to the uh, table and put it together for another six months. Do you think this is more posturing and we'll likely see the same resolution here, or is this different this time? Uh, It's hard to say, but uh, the signals coming out, for example, Turkey basically suggested that well, you know, the Russians may, uh, may, may decide to halt this. We will continue to provide, um, uh, you know, uh, protection for the ship. So that might actually bring about a more, more tensions in the Black Sea and whether the Russians will back down. Uh, my suggestion, my you know, expectation is that there will be some hard bargaining, but they will eventually back down and try to get back onto this because the last thing they want is a, 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 a maritime confrontation in the uh, Black Sea uh, with NATO states. 
and therefore this is more hard bargaining. I think eventually they will uh, they will uh, come back to the table. I mean, in terms of affordability, if you're Russia, we're talking like last year was 45 and a half million tons of grain. This year it's expected to be 47 and a half. I mean, I don't know how much money that translates to, but is there an economic impact to Russia or can they withstand that? Uh, no, I think they will be able to continue to export their own grain from their own ports. So this is about Ukrainian grain uh, from Ukrainian ports. So this will not necessarily you know, impact their ability to ship things out. So I don't think that will be a you know, negative impact on this. But they try to sort of uh, uh, choke the uh, already vulnerable Ukrainian economy. And again, I think trying to uh, create diplomatic leverage on those countries uh, yeah. in Africa and other places that heavily depend on the Ukrainian and, and, and Russian grain uh, to be sold. Economically, they're doing fine. They will continue to, to do fine, even if they are not part of this uh, grain deal. Okay, so we'll watch and see where it goes. Uh, Dr. Devlin, thank you so much for your time, as always. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.